Hello, my name's James Pikeway, and this is the We Will Fuck Wow The We Will Fix It Podcast on Podaholics. And who do we have joining us? Of course, none other than Colin Thomas, who is the man that Bob the Builder goes to when he can't fix something. <laughs> this is the We Will Fix It show. <laughs> favorite one yet you never fluff your lines i know can you imagine that right at the start too and and you know the thing is the thing is we could have restarted right because no no no, we don't do that i'm going to refer people to that intro on every occasion dr james pikeway professor of communication (laughs) <laughs> but I, you know what? Like I said, but the irony is, we record these things. So why don't we go and fix it? Nah, <laughs> it is much as more real, isn't it? It is. It's as it happens. So that's that. That's what we make make it. Uh, that's how we make it work. Talking of that, have you got a new haircut? You went side on for a second there. Oh yeah, Liz, that looks fantastic. I went and uh, I got it. I got it trimmed down for for the summer a little bit. I don't know what's going on on the top here, but yeah, I got it. I got it really taken down. You don't normally go that short around the sides, do you? Nah, nah. I took it right down to who knows what. And, and, you know, part of the issue was my barber, he's going back to the Philippines. He's taking leave, uh, not even leave. Basically, he's he's a COVID casualty. And so I went in and, and got a trim and I said, well, let's just, you know, let's do something radically different. And, and hopefully you're going to be back. And he, you know, he kind of looked at me sheepishly and he says, yeah, I hope to be back too, but... And I said, so you coming back? And he said, I have a one-way ticket. He says, I hope to come back, but I don't know. And so I thought, wow, you know, I know that things are, are working and businesses are, are retooling and things, but there are, there are still some fallout happening. And, and you know, I'm, I'm fortunate that I still have a job and, and you guys are, are doing good business, but there are still some folks who are, who are caught up in things. It's amazing, isn't it? It's, um, it's one of those scenarios where it doesn't matter um nationality doesn't seem to matter industry although obviously we've spoken about aviation and how badly that's been hit but it just seems that everybody's been hit one way or the other apart from the the few of us and we really are the minority that haven't had the um the, any major effect and yeah. um yeah, I'm feeling very, very lucky in that respect. I've got to say, it's it's awful to hear these kind of things, isn't it? It is. It is absolutely. And, uh, you know, but we you got to make the best of it. And I guess it's it's kind of interesting reading. Uh, I was reading actually some pilots who've who've gone home and reading some of their stuff and really upbeat. You know, they're they're talking about they're they're going into new careers. You know, it, yes. one guy was uh, writing and this was on LinkedIn and he was a first officer on an A380, and, and he said, look, you know what? My, my career at, at this moment in aviation is on hold, and I'm looking at, at doing something different. And I thought, you know, at least the guy's positive, but it's, it's been a real big reset for, for so many folks. It really has. I mean, I've, I've got exactly the same story. Um, a friend of mine who was a, a pilot at uh, Emirates who's setting up his own business now, yeah. which should be really interesting. When the time comes, I'll happily give him a plug. And um, But it's lovely. It's lovely that positivity that, that comes with it. Um, before we started, I was explaining to you that uh, my positivity is, is, is a bit of a struggle right now. So um, I have promised to try and be as positive as I can throughout this entire podcast, um, even though it, it, it's just one of those that's that's – not happening in the rest of life <laughs> at the moment. Uh, <laughs> it's, you know, it's it's one of those things, right? And it it's just, it can be crazy times just trying to, I, I mean, I, I even find it when I say it can be crazy times, it's it's almost on a daily basis. We find we do this little bit of an emotional roller coaster in that, hey, Dubai's opening, great. And, oh, we can't go home because we're going to have a two-week quarantine, which is I don't have an issue with. You got to do those things. But that means I don't have any time to really see the family. And then I got to come back because I need to be reporting to my workplace on the 16th of August. And, you know, I'm going to have to get tested when I come back or, or as it goes. And if there is any quarantining put in place, I still need to be reporting to my job for the 16th of August. So now I need to plan in a buffer of two weeks. So it's that roller coaster going, Oh, 
we're not going home this summer to see the boys. <laughs> it's like, uh, and it, and that's, that's just a mind thing, right? It just plays on you. It's like, but we always go home and it's, yeah, well, and I keep, keep reminding my wife and we keep reminding each other, this is a different summer and we just have yes. to look at it. It's just different. You yeah. can't compare it. It's, you know, it's, it's also on that macro level at the moment, knowing that the numbers are going back up again. Yeah. Um, the UAE, what were we? Seven, 16, two, three days ago, five, 530-odd um, yesterday, I think. And um, and then you drill down into it. So I was, I was really deflated by those figures because I was kind of hoping that we got through this, you know, mm-hmm. the, the majority of it, and we have the tail end to deal with. And you drill down into it, and you see that actually here we've done more tests per capita than anywhere else in the world. Yeah. And those numbers, the, uh, the 716, which was almost double the – the standard was done having them triple the testing. They've done 70,000 yeah. tests in a day. And then you, you, you kind of look into this and you go, well, yeah, okay, this isn't too great, but there isn't many other places in the world that I prefer <laughs> to be. Actually, apart from maybe New Zealand, um, that would be pretty good. Yeah. Um, but, but on the whole, um, we are doing exceptionally well, yeah. but it's just going to take time. Yeah. Yeah, I, there's a, I was listening to the news this morning, so this is going to date our podcast a little bit, but I was listening to the news this morning and there's a community area in Australia that is uh, going on lockdown for six weeks. And, yeah, Melbourne. and that's, Melbourne, yeah, and that's longer than they went on lockdown in the first place. And they're saying literally six week lockdown because they've got all but eight of the Australian outbreaks are in Melbourne. So they, they're closing it down. So, and you know, it's, you got to do what you got to do, but I always go back to, I don't know if you remember Sean Petherbridge, if you were here, maybe not. He was, he, you know, he was a quite a, quite a great GP uh, here. He used to run and he still does actually, he was running the, the GP, the medical side for the Grand Prix in Abu Dhabi. He did the off-road stuff. I knew, I knew of him via Alex Kappa-Murdoch. Oh, there you go. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. I knew the name. And I always remember Sean would say, you know, if the more you test, the more you're going to find something. So like, and it would be with anything, you know, do, oh, should I go and do some blood testing? Because you want to look for something, you're going to find something. (laughs) It's like, how are you feeling? I'm not feeling bad. Well, do you need the test for, you know, and I'm not saying in COVID, you don't need the test because a whole different thing. But in his general look at, at uh, family medicine, he'd said, yeah, you you know, you can go test everything if you want and you will find something. So in in our case, I think he's, he's speaking, he's spoken very truly with the COVID. The more tests you do, the more cases you're going to find. And as you said, we do a lot of tests. So some of these places where they have no cases, because they're not testing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, it's um, it's fascinating, isn't it, the way that it's handled in different places around the world and attitudes as well. We yeah. talked about this, and you know, the UK attitude is really playing on my mind, um, yeah. just with family that uh, don't seem to understand the seriousness of it. Yeah. And um, and then you know, and again here, food and beverage. When the food and beverage outlets opened, and all of a sudden, social distancing went out the window. Oh yeah, craziness. <laughs> It is. It's such a craziness. And, and, you know, trying to work within that environment and making sure that the stuff that we can control, which is our boys and the way that they operate, maintain exactly to the letter what we have specified. Yeah. So it is, there's a, it's a constant reaffirmment of, um, of, of what we require. Yeah. Social distance, wear your mask, wash your hands obsessively. Don't touch your face. Respect distances. You're not feeling good. Don't go to work. <laughs> don't go and hang out with people. This isn't rocket science, is it? No. <laughs> this is the stuff that we all, by now, everybody knows this. Yeah. So you're actively choosing not to do that. Yeah. If, if for whatever reason, you have a mask around your, um, around your chin or not even got a mask on. And you know what? When I'm walking the dog in the morning, it's kind of probably about... 30%, I'd say, that are not complying okay. with the basics. You're, like, you're, you're, you're educated people. Why, what's going on here? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just lost. I saw a great thing from um, Tom Hanks. I don't know whether you saw this over the last um, couple of days. I posted it, I think, on Facebook. And um, with him simply saying, it's the least you can do. Yeah. Be a good that neighbor. Sums it up, isn't it? That's the least you can do. Yeah. It's the minimum. Well, fantastic fella he is isn't he yeah the more i read about tom hanks the more nobody has a bad story about tom hanks <laughs> no <That's it. laughs> you know he is genuinely the nicest guy 
I, I saw one thing actually a, a couple of days ago, which was literally all it was was um, a um, some outfit that just said, "Tell us your own story about meeting Tom Hanks," and there's like fifty in a row. Not one negative. <laughs> Everyone was like beyond what you would expect of an interaction with a uh, a celebrity. Yeah. He's just such a lovely guy, you know. <laughs> Amazing. You know, and that and that's that's kind of the cool thing, isn't it? I, and it's but just be a good neighbor. It's and I yeah. and I love them. I mean, I'm I'm out jogging with my dog in the morning. I wear a mask, and someone said, "But you know, you don't have to wear a mask because you're doing physical activity." It's like you know what? I've got like a bandana kind of mask thing I put on. I wear the mask and I, and I see people in the morning. In fact, one morning I was, I was walking and a guy was holding his mask. So I went over to him. I said, dude, you want to put that mask on because a, you could get fined and B you're not doing strenuous activity. You're walking. (laughs) And now every morning I see the guy we, and we're friends. It's Hey, hey, good morning. Good morning, friend. And he's got his mask on. He's got, you know, he's got quite a variety of them now that I've seen, but it, it was just like, I'm the one who's running and I have a mask on. <laughs> yes. That's crazy, isn't it? Talking of that, and dogs, Rolo, our, um, our little fluffy number, got the mo beyond mo's. It's unbelievable. We shaved him down to, uh, well, you know, he, he, he was still on clippers, but it's okay. like the minimum clipper level. And we just didn't recognize him. He changed color. He's now mink. He was kind of brown. Yeah. He's now mink. Wow. We, we lived, he came back in and we were like, oh, have you seen how spindly his legs are? <laughs> because he's wool, yeah. it just grows and grows and grows. It never stops. And we couldn't believe it. Bless him. He's, he's an absolute little cutie. But it, it was just unrecognizable. Wow. But uh, he's definitely got his summer cut. And actually, I got mine as well a couple of days ago. So, well, I, I guess we, I guess everyone's got their summer cuts going down now, right? It's Yeah. Yeah. Did Dylan yesterday. Dylan's got his spiky number back. Um, so that's all done. But uh, again, you know, it's um, it's trying to, trying to be respectful and safe, isn't it? Yeah. So we chose what we thought would be the quietest time at the hairdressers to go. And thank goodness it was. <laughs> So um, bang on the dot of, um, of 10 o'clock as they opened yesterday. Yeah. And Natalie went with, uh, with Dylan. Nobody else there. It was perfect. Uh, actually, and they got the awesome Filipino guy. Unfortunately, we are the opposite end of town because that was at the Ranches to Souk upstairs at the barber's shop there. But the Filipino gentleman who's been there for, well, he's been there six years. I was, apparently, he remembers rather than me, which is quite something. I was his first customer. Wow. That location. Yeah, I know. Absolutely amazing, isn't it? But he is phenomenal. And then he finally told me the story only only a couple of months ago, which was uh, apparently he, he wasn't a hairdresser. Huh? He was the sweeping up guy originally at one of the different locations. Yeah. And then um, the, there came a time when there was only him and one hairdresser that was there. And after hours, the hairdresser needed a haircut. So he said, go on, then you, you have a go. Anyway, he did the haircut, and apparently he was absolutely brilliant. He's just a, a, a total natural. So <laughs> then the hairdresser said to the guy, look, I'm really short start. The, the, the sweep is really good. And there and then, they let him start cutting hair the next day. No training, no nothing. Can you imagine? No. Nobody knew. Luckily, this was not me. It was at a different location to be working at before he went to, uh, to this one. Anyway, he is absolutely, utterly brilliant. But talk about a baptism of fire. <laughs> Incredible. So, uh, yeah, it was, uh, it's highly entertaining now, thinking, well, yeah, you know, he is really, really good. However, this wasn't through official training routes. Very device story, that, isn't it? Yeah, totally. Hey, speaking of dog hair, I got a question. And this, yes. so, you, you, you know, your dog, of course, you get it clipped and it doesn't shed because you've got a hypoallergenic dog. Yes. There are so many of us today who don't have hyperallergenic dogs and you get that nice layer of fur that can be on your floor that, you know, in our place, you got to vacuum every day, maybe twice a day or sweep. Yes. And I was wondering why no one, I mean, we have the robotic vacuums that go around and do their things. But what are we good are they? I, I don't know. I mean, I think in the right context they work, but in our place the dog would chase the thing down, so I'm not so sure it would be a good thing. I also think if you if you imagine the two processes that a vacuum is supposed to do, which is the physical brushing mm. and then the vacuum elements of it, 
if you have something that is kind of rechargeable and is designed to just keep going round and round and round, A, the vacuum cannot be as strong as it normally would be. And secondly, surely the brushing, because it's a lightweight little unit which doesn't have any human pressure on it either, I can't imagine that that gets the same agitation effect to yeah. do it effectively. I've never had one. It's pure theory. Um, but it just doesn't, doesn't sound as though it would be as effective. Or maybe because it's constantly on the go, Hmm. It therefore doesn't have such a difficult scenario to deal with because it's constantly just removing yeah. the new layer that, that that's there. Maybe that's it. I guess I I know I I played with one a while back a few years ago and if it didn't have hit carpet in that it was it worked really well so just on a tile floor you know it really did the job and it went back to its base station and you know it had an app so you could see where it went and it was pretty good you know if it when it hit obstacles it sort of reassign you know re you know redid itself again and it was it was kind of neat but you know again they've advanced quite a bit the charging was a big thing but my question is. There are parts of our house where you know that your, you know, the kitchen, your entranceways, places where your pets lie down and just hang out. Why don't we have baseboard vacuum systems? Almost like a built-in vac where you can just flick the switch and it's on the baseboard and it sucks. It creates a suck, an air suction thing that just sort of pulls that fur off and you're just saved. So these kind of integrated vats are a very northern American, yeah. North American. Thing. I think my parents had yeah. one in one of the places they lived in. Yeah, we, I mean, we the whole concept is just totally alien <laughs> to anybody European because <laughs> it seems logical to me that you would want the additional mobility that comes from a portable vacuum, whatever that would be, whether or not that's mains powered or battery powered. Yeah. Yet you speak to anybody really from northern america and you guys utterly rave about them you're like wow how have you never done this how come you don't have this and i'm like but surely you must have this big long hose that you have to cart all over the the property to plug in and you've then got to store that which is more of a hassle than having a vacuum cleaner that, that that does that yeah. So what just explain to me as a start point, right? Before we get onto dog hair, what's the point? I guess you get you get quite a nice uh suction because you can have one big bad motor down in the garage and it it so it gives you a little bit more power and all you've got to drag around is the hose mechanism. You don't have to drag around that little unit that you're plugging into the wall. You just yeah. kind of plug in your hose and away you go. And the, the, the ones today that people are using, they actually have, you know, the, the beater bar, the whole bit, the power bar, because they plug in. When you plug it into the wall, it's got electricity. So it plugs it in and boom, the whole power bar goes as well. So it's literally like having this big, you know, shop vac kind of vacuum cleaner motor that you just have to plug in your hose. Yeah, okay, I get that. I didn't realise, yeah. See, I was going to hit you with that. I'm like, yeah, but you don't have the beat bar, though, do you? Right? But if you've got that as well, then, no, I'm, I'm, I get it. I get it now. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Now, the thing is... But they're I noisy. Oh, I'm, man, are they noisy? You, you know, you can hear... Well, I, I mean, I, the only ones I've seen are, are a few years old, so maybe they're quieter now. But you would have it in your garage or something. That's where you'd have the whole unit. And usually they're like three feet high, right? It's got a big bucket and some big bad motor. And man, you could hear those things going. <laughs> it's, it's loud. <laughs> and I, do you have to go to turn it on first, or is it no. like an auto? As soon as you plug in the hose, it comes on. That is the pressure, so it's it's um, it's actually vacuum um, yeah. activated. Interesting. Okay. See, I swear by um, Dyson, and mm. we now um, we've gradually moved away from um, the upright Dyson, which is a heavy bit of kit. But then, for me, the original see what sold me was the video of James Dyson himself with the original Dyson um, when he threw it down a, a set of stairs in John Lewis to prove the difference between that and what, what was actually a Hoover at the time uh, to show just how tough this was. And I bought my first Dyson, um, would have been back in, oh, so my first property so it must have been i don't know 20 odd years ago that was destroyed it had lost both its wheels and i bought it for five pounds so what's that 20 25 odd dirhams at the time 
And then off eBay for £1.50, I bought the two wheels, put the wheels back on, gave it a clean, and it's still going now. We've got it in our property in, uh, in London at the moment. I'm like, this is just incredible. Loved it. But gradually here, we've moved away from, as battery technology has improved, we've moved away from um, the traditional upright Dysons. And now we just use, uh, I have a pair of Dyson V10 mm. um battery powered and that does everything that we need you know 60 minutes um of suction time the suction is as good as a traditional probably not the latest generation of uh, upright i've got the full powered um, bar on it as well and it's really light so yeah. for us that works really really well but the point you're making therefore is about dog hair yeah now bailey our last dog bless his soul we miss you is um, uh, used to shed. He was known as a low shedder, so probably not not as bad as your um, your current dog. But even then, he used to turn that canister kind of rust coloured, which is the colour that he was, and it was a constant battle to keep up with it. We really had to having um, a Dylan who was uh, very susceptible to um, to his hair, so it was an absolute battle. Well, now if you add that to the context that you're talking about, then. The logic is there. However, what I don't understand is the ease of retrofitting that system because you would, by its very nature, you need to get a decent vacuum-sized um, uh, cavity yeah. that goes right the way through your property with branches off it. Now, if you're branching off and you want to maintain that vacuum level, you need a, a, a main branch that is bigger than the vacuum. So if you right. imagine, I'm guessing the vacuum's like, what, two and a half inch max, probably less, two inch. I think you would probably need like a, a three and a half to four inch va- uh, main vacuum hub going through the property. Well, if you imagine, four inch is probably somewhere near to an additional sewage pipe. <laughs> Sorry to bring sewage into it. I think we're going to sewage later on. We are. Anyway. That's going to be a good segue. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not good at sewage. And it's not the sewage itself, it's sewage system. So we'll see whether or not I've got any chance with that one. But um, to try and get that retrofitted into a Dubai house, I think is totally prohibitive. It's mm. just not practical. Yeah. To Too much concrete. You, you need somewhere yeah. that you're using drywall, wood, construction, probably. Exactly. Then then easy. I mean, it's not it's not difficult to be able to do that. Um, but I just don't think in Dubai that would be feasible. So what you'd actually end up with is you'd have to go external uh, in the first instance and then throw it through a wall and you mm. then need exterior branches that would make the exterior house look an absolute shambles. Yeah. So lovely in theory, but I just don't think it's practical the way that houses are, are, are built here. Yeah. Stick with the Dysons. Yeah. For us, anyway. Mind you, the Dysons. I've got to say, the Dyson has really got on my nerves yesterday because oh, oh. Rolo, Rolo loves pulling apart these, um, you know, these toys that they say are indestructible. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Forget it. <laughs> We've done every every one of them. You know how much they cost? Literally. Yeah, I'm yeah. like, oh, he'll never get through this one. Seventy-eight dirhams—the <laughs> last little ducky cost—and I'm like, seventy-eight dirhams. Well, if you can't get through it, as you claim, but they never warranty, do they, James? No. They never no, warranty it. No. Right. So I'm like, 78 dirhams, right, this is going to at least be a battle. And it was still the standard 10 minutes. But then all the stuffing comes out. <laughs> the stuffing, and I didn't, I, this has happened before, and I forgot to mention it. And I was running out and about all over the place yesterday. And yes, I do actually, uh, I'm very happily um, operating the Dysons myself. I'm not very good, to be honest, and get moaned at for it. But I will very happily vacuum at any scenario. We don't have a maid, and we're kind of happy that way. However, I forgot to mention it, and I got back, and it all gone. And I knew at that moment that I had a real problem. Went to the dice, and you get a usual ding, 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 ding noise when it's blocked. Darn it. So I then had to, it's this canister. It's like a, it's like a, how would you explain it? It's like you're loading a gun in effect or unloading it. It's got this handle on the top that you push, yeah. and the whole thing comes out, and then it, it goes straight in the bin is, is the logic. But... Now I've worked out that they've got a real design fault, which is the um, the out or, or the inflow, I suppose, into the canister. They go from a really big size on the hose itself to a really big canister through a tiny little aperture. Well, <laughs> 
it's a no-brainer that this is going to get blocked. But Natalie didn't spot the diminishing vacuum effect. So what she managed to do was to pack it so tightly that I couldn't actually get it with my normal screwdriver. And I had to pull out the long nose pliers just to get this darn thing out. I mean, it was like a 20-minute activity. And obviously, because it's, um, it's, it's, not, it's just garbage that you're pulling out, yeah. you don't want to do that indoors. It was midday, and I had more that I needed to do. So at that point, I'm like sweating and <laughs> pulling this out. And it is a pure design for. I couldn't believe it. And you'd have thought the number of versions that they've made of this, you'd have thought by now that they'd solved it. Well, they haven't. Fair warning to anybody who has a dog. There you go. So you you need to send that. You need to send a note over to the Dyson people because maybe it's just something they haven't thought of. Do you know the testing that's supposed to go into these? But you know that could be that one little thing where they just you know, it, it, or maybe they've got it like that because it it aids somehow in the suction process, and they've they've made a had to make a compromise. I don't know, but who knows? I know there's lots of testing, but who knows? Maybe that's just something that they didn't think of. I think this is all part of the Dyson cyclone. So if you imagine to get cyclone going, they've got to speed up the air that goes into it. Mm. They have a, a limitation in terms of the um, the motor and the power that can do because they need to get to that 60 minutes of uh, cleaning yeah. time. So I think that that may well be the issue. But mm. Um, mm. saying that, you know, generally speaking, they're utterly fantastic. But yeah. we've learned now that, that is not something that they can uh, they can deal with. You got to keep your eyes on it. That's the that's the key. Sometimes you got to use a broom. <laughs> alien isn't it you know it's um it is one of those and you know the crazy thing which is rollo kindly managed to chew his way through the dustpan and brush uh, about a month month and a half ago and um i was literally just in there about a week ago going oh can't believe i haven't got a dustpan and brush and ruby comes in with her one i'm like brilliant i don't mind cleaning with a pink dustpan and brush that's kind of about about this big but it works, doesn't it? So now we are using really spider brush to get us out of this situation. And obviously, because we're officially moving somehow or other, um, we don't want to buy another one now because obviously then we'd have to move it. And that's, that's obvious logic, isn't it? Work that one out, James. But I am banned from buying another dustpan and brush until we've moved. Dude, that's it. It's, it's, it's a forcing you to, to really find that place. And, you know, and, and you're looking. You're looking. <laughs> So it's going to be interesting if anybody goes like um, from podcast to podcast to podcast. I wonder whether I look more desperate every week in terms of just how badly this search is going. I'm not going to do it again, James, because obviously we all know this is therapy. So I downloaded on you before we even started just how much trouble I'm in on this house search. But for anybody who's watching, I think I did the head in the hands last week, if I remember rightly. So I don't know whether I now have to nut the desk, but we're kind of at that level. And, um, you know, I think if it's another two weeks, blood will be spilt live on air. It's one of those. It's coming. It's coming. It's it's coming. You know, it'll happen. That's all I say. It's going to happen. But speaking of it's happened, I want to do that nice segue from that that little pipe that you're talking about with the Dyson. You want to go sewage. I want to talk sewage because I had someone talking to me the other day about the fact that they have had repeated sewage block ups in their villa. And I'm going, hey, I've had that problem to the point now that I periodically, you know, open up the grate and just make sure that there's good flow. Now, fortunately, and if, if people listen to the, our podcast and not necessarily this podcast, but the Dr. Jenna podcast, people will know that I have an, an odd nose in that. I knew that. Yeah, the cricket time back when I was 18 playing cricket. I'm a terrible cricket player, so they put me way, way in the back. Cricket ball hit a little nub of, of soil on the, the ground, hit me right in the nose, broke my nose. And from that day forward, I've had weird, uh, weird smell sensations. Yes. Some people say, why don't you get that fixed? I'm saying I've lived with it this long. You know what? I'm, I'm kind of, I'm not so bad with that. So the, the upside is when I lift up the sewage grate, I don't smell any sewage. I can see sewage, but I don't smell sewage. So I'm kind of going, yeah. you know what? This is actually a good thing. And, and so my story was, oh, you know, months back, I, w- I noticed that when you would flush the toilet, it was kind of going down, but it would 
go up a little bit higher than usual. And I thought, oh, that's really weird. Opened up the grate and noticed that there was probably a little bit of a paper jam. And so forced some water through, everything kind of started going again, and, and it went down. Fortunately, those, those great things have quite a big storage capacity. But again, friend got in touch and said, hey, have you had this problem? And so I said, you know, you probably want to open up that grate and take a look. And, you know, all sorts of nasties come out of those things when you open up those grates. And lo and behold, they had the same kind of issue. They, they said, yeah, it's, it's black, backed right up coming from these small pipes out of the wall into this large open area and then into that big, you know, at least five inch sewage pipe. And somehow along the way, it's getting backed up. Any, any suggestions on how to keep those systems running fluid? Okay, so let's, let's first of all define what we've got here, uh, which is there is a difference between um, grey water and sewage. Mm. So grey water is any water that you are dispelling off that is not a toilet. That system is kept separate from the sewage water or, and waste or whatever right the way through until you are exterior of the property. And at that point, they will join together and there's normally another grate that it goes through before it finally um, goes out of the property. So where you are must be exterior. Mm, yeah, absolutely. Correct? Yeah. Love. Okay. So the reasons for the blockage are normally a one of a, a number. Um, it can be starting at, at source and going down the sewage line. Quite often it is the connector that is on the toilet that isn't aligned properly with the tube that is physically taking the waste away. Mm. That's the normal one when somebody has done a cheap toilet replacement or they've got a toilet that doesn't fit properly. So the connector that is there between the toilet and the hole has a massive offset. There's basically three different types that you can get. You can get a direct through, you can get a small offset, or you get the enormous offset. Yeah. The enormous offset one is notorious for blocking. Mm. And uh, that somebody just literally hasn't planned what toilet replacement they're going to do. This toilet looks like that <laughs> toilet. And on that basis... That's what I bought. Go and fit it. You're like, okay, well, let me just tell you that there is a very good chance that this is going to block. And it's interesting because what happens is the technician, or back in the day, it used to be the technician would tell the customer, and then two months later, we get a phone call, that toilet you fitted is all blocked, and come back and fix it properly. Right? So back we would have to go because it's under warranty to yeah. Anyway, we learned very, very quickly that the way around this is we tell the customer and then we write it on their invoice. And we write, there is a very good chance that this will block. Should this happen, the customer has been warned and as a result, it will not be covered by our warranty. Mm. Okay? The same phone call happens. Well, the lovely thing is, these days, we've got quite a dramatic system that goes behind our bookings whereby live on the call, our bookings guys can pull up that invoice to um to and then read back to the customer if you've got invoice number xyz you will see written at the top that we did state (laughs) very clearly that this unit was going to block and you decided you wanted to continue anyway rather than replace uh, or put that uh, your new toilet deliver it back and get one that would actually fit properly so that's point one the next one is there is often a design flaw that happens here quite a lot which is um, the, the runoff is just doesn't have enough vertical in it uh, to allow for the flow to effectively get rid of uh, the waste that is there with it. It's only the water that is going to carry it along. Therefore, that is how you often end up with uh, a blockage. Thirdly, if you know you have a place that's susceptible to it, the only thing that you can do is to use less paper per flush or more flushes to try and push it through, but it's still, there is a chance that it will block. The final one is that you could have a issue that is caused by um, the builders themselves who were on site and just had a little bit too much cement Then they didn't want to carry it off site because that would be more wastage cost for them. So they shoved it straight away down the sewage pipe. That sounds ridiculous, doesn't it, James? It does. It sounds absolutely insane. I reckon that happens in 20% of new builds. Wow. Wow. Yeah, along with the other classic, which is 
opening up your ceiling to find that you have rubble spread all the way across the top of your false ceiling. That's the other classic. Both of which I've had at properties that were um, that I've I've moved into back in the day. <laughs> and uh, this one, the the wet cement down a sewage pipe is the worst that's going. Oh, the other one is that's a trick that I've seen used on a terrible landlord, which I've got to say I had a really good laugh about um, because it was really clear that it had been done on purpose at the time. But um, there is a gentleman who um, actually I think he's he's closed down again a COVID casualty that basically had um, a diamond-tipped flexible cutter, which was the only thing that could get through that concrete in that situation, rather than having to physically excavate and cut out the entire pipe, which is just the utter job from hell. Um, But he physically had a cutter that could go and, and do the job and keep the pipe intact. But if you imagine, he came at a day rate of like 6,000 a day, and he was... He was probably four or five days on any decent block. Wow. So 30,000. 30, well, that's the cheap option in that situation. So, um, uh, you know, for, for a, full-on, a full-on block, that would be. Mm. Um, so, again, those issues occur. The other one that's the classic is either the fat uh, from a kitchen going through the grey waste or, alternatively, lots and lots of hair, which is mm. the thing that in our household causes our blockages most of the time. Um, and again, not much that you can do to get around that apart from pretty much what you did. But again, for the grey uh, water, you can use the individual floor drains that are in uh, normally each of the main bathroom areas. Um, pull the grate off that and then again, you have to get down and physical. But you just need to be pretty careful on when you're sticking your hand in there that there's nothing sharp, which mm. does happen as well. So uh, again, we urge people to, uh, to be very cautious and our own staff for that matter. The one thing to be aware of is lots of people use very, very nasty chemicals yeah. to shut down there uh, to try and clear it out. If you have a physical blockage, so i.e. not organic, then that is not going to work and it's going to cause a major issue for anybody who then has to come along to unblock it. We strongly advise people not to go down that route. We understand why they do. But literally, with my guys, if, if I know that there is a chemical, um, a chemical has been used down there, we literally have to come in with full, full hazmat, including both uh, breathing and also uh, literally full visors. Um, and only a senior technician will be allowed to even take on that job. Uh, and it will, it will double the amount of time it will take us to do it. Wow. Man, that's... Uh, hmm. That's that's kind of frightening. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, the, the other thing that we have, we've got two different systems that, that we use. We use traditional drain rods, which tend to be the most effective uh, in that scenario. And quite often we can solve this in an hour. Um, so it's not a long job to be able to do it. The other thing that we have that is uh, kind of a finish off quite often is uh, jet attachments that go onto our power washers mm. uh, to basically clean it all out that way. Uh, and again, uh, you know, those, if we're lucky, we can do, for instance, a springs below the standard that yeah. happens there is, is the kitchen through to the garage. We can do that in half an hour. Oh, that's pretty good. So it's quick, quick and easy to do. Uh, but uh, for springs villas, it needs to be done on a regular basis. Wow. Well, that's good to know. That's really good to know, which I think that is a perfect segue into the next part of the show. 10 minutes with Colin. There we well, go. That's an unusual one. We normally do that at the beginning, but we've been rabbiting on like you wouldn't believe, so it's no <laughs> real surprise. Um, so, yeah, it does segue. Actually, I've just got your link there. Oh, Professor James has got it all going on again now. Um, so the segue to that is about um, dodgy work, so bad work and the grey economy of Dubai. We're coming across this quite a lot, and actually – we're almost in a bit of a protected position from this because the kind of customer that makes the decision that they want to go for a quality option has quite often been through every dodgy operator and has finally gone, you know what, I just want it done right now and with a warranty by qualified Mm. people. But this whole grey economy is something that, especially during COVID, where people are really short on cash and absolutely understandably, they're looking to cut some corners. And so there are a lot of industries where this is happening. 
one of the classics that we're seeing at the moment is removals. So rather than actually employing a, quali- uh, a, a licensed and regularly operating removal service, they go for one of the vans on the corner that you see. I see one of those by me all the time, uh, you know, and they're different yeah. names and they're just parked there. Yeah. And normally it will only be the van plus the driver. And you're like, well, no, I've got a whole heap of stuff to shit. So I need, I need some more people. It's like, no problem. No problem. I'll get you people. And away he'll go. And next thing you know, he comes back with um, his, his hodgepodge group of people who come to remove your property. Now, you know what? Back in the day, a very, very long time ago, I did this as well. And interestingly enough, on that occasion, I kind of got away with it. A couple of things were broken, but nothing more. Mm. But those were in the days where actually I didn't own anything that had any value anyway. (laughs) So it really, you know, I I kind of was at a a loss for, for, um, for, for going for any other option. Actually, back in these days, and we're talking 2006, I guess, um, there really weren't the quality operators that there are now. Now, imagine we fast forward to 2020, and I made that decision again to go with a, a dodgy operator um, for removals in this instance. Okay, so as a start point, this guy does not have a trade license. We know that by the price point that he's going to. If he doesn't have a trade license, you can guarantee he has no insurance. Mm-hmm. You are giving him everything that you own to go from point A to point B, and you are trusting him to, A, do that properly, and secondly, without breaking anything. Well, the problem with removals is accidents happen. And therefore, in this instance, there is a very good chance that you are going to end up in some form of dispute with this individual. Now, he's charged you so little that he doesn't have any kind of margin available to pay for the vase that he's just broken or whatever it is that is your problem. So doesn't matter how much you shout at him, the, the, the best you're going to get to is a scenario where the small amount you've just paid him, you're not prepared to pay, and he is going to get very, very angry at that time because he's got to pay the random laborers that he's just found. Okay, right. And on top of that, he's got his van that he needs to look after and his fuel costs. So he's going to hit you really, really hard with a big dispute. Now, in this scenario, all of this could be avoided and you wouldn't have these, these problems to be able to deal with. Oh, and it's not as though you can go to the authorities because you have engaged him illegally within Dubai to <laughs> operate on your behalf. So you don't have the police as a backup in this situation or any of the departments. That's not going to happen you are going to be treated as though you have engaged in a criminal activity. So the point that we're making here is, do you really want to take that risk? And this goes for for so many different things. We've talked about the risks of having someone dodgy come to look after your electrics. The same for the ACs as well. And we've spoken about the fact that probably 30% of the work that we do is rectification Mm. from some dodgy outfit that hasn't got a clue what they're doing. And therefore, we're just left with a nest of wires. They've cut everything and then they, they then disappear. And literally, they will go off the roof, onto your garage, put the net the same ladder down to get off and just drive off. And that's normally when we get the phone call, which is, oh, right, okay, we've messed this one up. I'm not going to deal with any communication on this. I know I'm not getting paid because I can't solve the issue. So that way, I just need to get out of here. Get rid of that burn sim. Find another sim and away we go. Not answering that phone anymore. And literally cost of them is what, 50 dirhams for a new sim? Yeah. Okay, so this happens all the time and we see it constantly. Our frustration is to have to go in after a cowboy and to solve that problem for a customer who's already laid out some cash because normally they'll say, oh, madam, you need a new compressor. I need 1,500 dirhams to go and get the compressor. So they've, in effect, disappeared with all the money from the customer. So the customer's already angry at us before we've even started because they've already had to pay some money to somebody to try and sort it. So all we're doing is spending a huge amount of time trying to work out what this idiot has already done before we even can work on the, the original problem that we're there for. So my point is, the grey economy, does it really pay? Did you really want to do that? Why do you keep on doing that? And that is my 10 minutes with Colin. 10 minutes with Colin! (laughs) 
it never pays. That's the lesson. It never, ever pays. You'll pay for it later. Do you think I've become a bit ranty? <laughs> I feel like I've delivered like three almighty rants in this session already. Thank God one wasn't recorded. I, I think she's getting a little bit out of hand. I think we're going to change that 10 minutes with Colin to the rant with Colin. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll do oh, that. Man. <laughs> What's happening? It's yeah, all going so badly wrong. You're, you're starting to remind me of Tom Peters, and I don't. You, you know, Tom Peters in search of excellence. You've been around. You've done the business thing. Yeah, he's, yeah. Good old yeah. Tom Peters is still out there. He's famous for his rants. Yeah, yeah. He's still. Uh, you know, actually, he he's gone through quite a cycle, so he's still doing his thing. And uh, I think Tom he's Peters was was massive in the early nineties. I mean, he was literally. A one whole module of, um, of yeah. what I did in, um, at university. But I didn't know he was still going. Yeah. Wow. And I remember when we, you, well, you will remember it too, at the, you know, before about 2007, they used to do the Leaders in Dubai seminars and Tom Peters, yes. Dan Pink, all those guys. You, you know, Peters used to come out yeah. and do workshops and the, the Kelly Brothers yeah. and, and uh, I actually went to one of those and, and he, he just rants. It was, it was hilarious because he'd get on a big rant. He'd talk about how different leaders had solved the rant, what we need to do. A little bit of a segue. He'd do another rant. And it was, it was classic. It was absolutely classic. But yeah, he's still going. And so when, when you were ranting, it was reminding me of Tom Peters. And so rants, rants can be good, especially if you have a solution to it and it's not just a, a whinge. But I think that's... That, it's, it's an interesting one, that because um, I think now that we've been in business for 20, oh, 20, I was going to 2020, 20, for 12 years rather, um, Dan, my business partner, is, uh, is we, we've kind of got each other worked out to such a degree that he knows when to stop me and when to just switch off and let me go, you know? <laughs> and um, it, it, it's lovely that these days, I don't think it even affects him. He kind of. <laughs> He's so used to it that uh, that it doesn't it doesn't upset him in any shape or form when I go off on one. And um, what he thinks is, I'm actually more mellow these days than I ever used to be. Oh, okay. It's like you don't you don't seem to have that that extra edge anymore. And I, I'm not sure whether he meant that in a good way or a bad way, to be honest. But um, he's kind of you know you, I don't you don't storm off anymore. You just kind of sit there and and let rip. And um, so I guess that's kind of um, maturity, of age, or or you know I don't I'd like to say experience, but I don't think that's it. I'm still pretty ranty. But then I always say to him, well, at least it shows I still care. And that's something. <laughs> there you go. There you go. <laughs> oh, man. You know what? There's, there's the other one that, that uh, folks have been asking me about, and I thought I'd pick your brain a little bit, is, is yeah. where else can you go to get wood besides wood and, and get it cut and, you know, some good two-by-fours or two-by-sixes besides going to Ace, which, in the, and I suggested to these folks right off the bat, I said, well, go to Ace, they can cut it. And they said, yeah, but I, they said they, they're not so fond of the premium they're paying. And they said, there must be other places. And, and I wondered if the Dunab uh, place or, or others, I don't know, where, where else would you suggest to go and get some, some wood cut? See, this is where the difficulty lies, because um, generally speaking, if you are a end user Mm. you have a very specific size that you need and you don't have the ability to cut to that size so and to be extremely accurate now the normal thing is shelving that's what most people are after Mm. so in that situation you have uh, normally especially in in dubai you've got a, a specific length that you need often between two walls often it is a laundry area that's the normal one and the other lovely thing that people don't think about beforehand is when a wall's plastered, it's never exactly true. <laughs> yeah. So you can end up with a scenario of, oh, well, I just wanted to, to get this and I've got that cut. I measured at the back and now the front is actually tighter. So it won't physically go in. So then you see, it's hilarious when you see the DIY jobs that got a bit wrong, where they're actually up at an angle like this because that's the only way that you get to, to sit. So, um, in that respect, this is where Ace Hardware do it extremely well. There's mm. only actually Speedex um, and Shake Zion, but again, Speedex has just moved, and I don't know whether they're still offering it. I'm pretty sure they are, mm. but they tend to be much better priced than Ace when it comes to lumber. 
Um, there are specialist places in Dubai, but a lot of the specialist places are um, designed for the trade. Okay. And the public actually can't get at them because it's a quantity that they require uh, you to buy. Uh, you know, for us, we're really lucky. We've got a carpenter directly opposite, and the deal is we look after his electrical issues and ACs. He looks after our cutting for us. Um, and normally That's a good trade. The supply of the wood. Yeah, it is. But that's kind of the quid pro quo that, that when you're in the trade tends to tends to work pretty well. Um, so, yeah, I don't have an easy solution there. But, yeah, SpeedX would be my next best mm. um, the options for uh, retail if you just had small bits that you wanted cutting. There we go. Sounds it sounds it sounds like we've actually answered some of the questions today. We've got a few more, but you apologize, it won't happen again. <laughs> you know what we want to talk about, but we want to do it on our next podcast. So I'm going to put that on the list right away. Oh. Is we definitely, definitely, definitely want to talk about water tanks again. And oh, yeah, yeah. so we want to talk about we want to talk about all things water. So the reason this comes up is again I got another friend who has been having quite the issues with those little filters that go on the end of your 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 faucet and constantly getting backed up. I mean, yeah. constantly. And I'm kind of going, did you replace it? Did you try getting a new one? Because they have the mesh shield that you know catches debris. He goes, yeah, I replaced it, put a new one in. One week later, backed up again. I'm going, check your water tank? And yeah. so yeah, clearly the thing is full of sand because the sand is coming through. And that then opens up the second question about water heaters and things. And I know we talk about them a lot, but I think just a quick yeah. reminder of what to do. And some people are going away for you know taking some time away and and they are leaving dubai for you know for for a little bit of a vacation you know the city's open and so some folks are doing that what do they need to we want to talk a little bit about again in the terms of water what we need to be thinking about with those tanks and stuff turn them off leave them on some people say it's that it's that time of year anyway here where you tend to turn them off because it's so warm but what are some of those things we need to do for you know keeping track of the maintenance of them and ensuring that we don't get a you know a blowout by the time we come back and and health and safety etc 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 so that's where we want to go on the next podcast all things water great i've got all that Um, (laughs) and uh, that's an easy one to discuss do you know you said the uh, you said an interesting point on your opener which was um the uh, bob the builder call him the guy yeah bob the builder (laughs) Well, you know what? Bob the Builder doesn't want to come to our house because <laughs> Nana brought Bob the Builder because the um, the kids have kind of grown out of it. So she brought the Bob the Builder toy, gave it to Rolo. That one survived like a minute and a half. It was in pieces. So Colin's house is the place you come to if you're Bob the Builder and you feel like it's the end. How's that for a departing point? There we go. There we go. Colin Thomas, We Will Fix It Dubai, Central Maintenance Dubai, the We Will Fix It podcast. Google us, Potaholics with a K. Google them. You can also find them, as I said, Essential Maintenance Dubai. And of course, We Will Fix It Dubai. Get in touch with us, Potaholics with a K at gmail.com. Send us your questions. We'll get them on to the next podcast. It is that simple. Colin, we will do it all again real soon. You've been listening, as I said, to Potaholics. Potaholics.